Well, how's everyone doing? Oh, great. Who said great? Hey, I like you guys. You stick around. It's good to see you all. Happy 2020. So, a little confession here, and maybe you know this feeling as well. How many of you played sports uh, growing up? Maybe uh, formally, informally, anyone in here? Yeah, my fellow sports. Uh, what about this? Uh, how many of you liked to play sports, but you really just not that great at sports? Anyone willing to admit that? So, yeah. Surprise, the short preacher. And so uh, I remember in, uh, in middle school and high school, I loved basketball, I enjoyed playing basketball, but I was not really that good, and I was homeschooled. That's like two strikes against you right there. And so I played church league basketball, which, I mean, everything you think about old school church league basketball, it's true. And, and it's just embarrassing. But I, I remember playing with a bunch of other guys, and um, I loved our coach. Because no matter how, you know, how, how skilled you were or how skilled you were not, the coach was very intentional to make it clear that everyone was important, that the team, the mission that the team had to win the game was important. And so we're going to cheer for each other. We're going to cheer with each other. We're going to encourage each other because the mission is important. And I love the fact that unlike sports, our Savior Jesus does not say some people are varsity and other people are JV. Aren't you glad you're not a JV when it comes to the kingdom of God? And some of us would say, man, I'm not even JV. I'm a bench warmer at best. It's like, hey, Diggs, this part of the bench is kind of cold. Would you come and plop a squat right here for a few minutes? But that's not the way that our God treats us. He says every person matters. And in fact, the way that he has uniquely formed you and the places that you now live and serve are perfect for the mission he has given you. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is vital for every person. As Jake has already said, there is no second string in this church or in God's kingdom. So go ahead, nudge a person next to you, give them a little elbow, go ahead, just a friendly elbow. Thank, thank, thank. No, that's not an elbow, buddy. This is gonna be, there you go, I like that. And, and just say, hey, um, as Jake already said, say, you're special. Go ahead, just let them know. I love this. Uh, don't worry, we're not going to hug each other or anything else. But here's where we're going tonight. On your handout, you should have this, but I want you to see this real quick, and we're going to dive in, and we're going to move kind of quickly, so hang with me here. But there is one verse that means a lot to our body. It is one of a number of verses that encapsulate the mission and the ministry and the purpose for which we've been called, and it's this one from 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. In fact, it's on your handout, so grab your handout, and all together, I want us to say these words out loud, and do it as though you mean it. You don't have to really mean it, just sort of like you mean it, okay? So here we go, all together now, this is 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul talking to Christians, he says this, you ready? Let's say it together. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You got it. Two parts, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Next week, we're going to dive deep and hard into what it means for you as leaders to call people to follow your example. And we're going to give you incredibly tangible, practical ways to do that. We're going to do some of that tonight. But tonight, before we can deal with this, the following my example part, we've got to first talk about what it means to personally follow Jesus Christ. Now, for some of us, you're going to know everything we're going to say, and you're going to check out because you're like, yep, I got the blanks filled already. I'm going to beg you, please don't do that. Hang with us. If it's something you already know, 
consider how it might impact you deeper this week as you consider what it means. But we're going to dig into this, and there's three things real fast. Let me give you these. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the big blanks to fill in. If you've got a pen, paper, handout, here it is. First thing, when we talk about following Jesus, you need to know who you are. We're going to talk through that here in a moment. Number two, you need to know the battle you're in. And number three, you need to know what you can do about it. You need to know who you are, the battle you're in, and what you can do about it. Jake, go ahead. Why don't you sort of drop us into that first one tonight. Okay, so we're going to be talking a little bit, of course, about who you are. What's your true identity? And so we want to kind of work our way into this a little bit. But a lot of us carry a lot of different hats. And so we just, if you don't mind, flip to the back side of, of your page. And want you to kind of just list some of the hats that you wear whether that's at work, whether that's in your family, whether that's here at church, just take some time and list all the different hats that you wear. We'll just take 30 seconds, a minute, just list all those different hats. Who are you? Who are you to somebody else? Who are you to you? Who are you? What are the different hats that you wear? That almost sounded like a Dr. Seuss moment right there. I think it was. Who are you? You are who? I do have a two-year-old. I do have a two-year-old. So we'll go ahead and start asking you guys to maybe share some of those with us. Uh, somebody list one of the hats that you may wear. Mother? Great, that's a good one. I don't personally wear that one, but... Somebody else? Husband? That's great. Let's keep it going. Throw them out. Let's see how fast Josh can write. Whoa, what? (laughs) Neighbor? Neighbor? Friends? That's good. Brother? Mother, I did not, that's a good one, mother-in-law. What else do we have? Missionary, grandmother, Christian, come on, Josh. I'm working, I'm working. What's the other one? I missed, I missed. Mentor. Oh, mentor. Wife, somebody's getting angry. Wife, wife. I heard teacher Jake, I'm throwing that up, what else? Good. Wife, you better write, write. we're going to have, if you don't write that one down, we're going to get in trouble. Anybody else? Leader? Yeah, great. Wait, I I heard someone say employee. Did someone say employee? Yeah, that's good. What about you, Jake? What's one, are there any that come to your mind that we haven't put up here? There's some... Names I've been called, I can't put up there. <laughs> but uh, minister. So, so, so wait, hold on. So for that, it would be like this, that, you know. That's it. Is that's that it. sort of the, what you're saying? I noticed you used the exact same. Oh, name. sorry. Um, so. And smiley face. There you go. Okay. Uh, minister. Minister. Yeah. 
Volunteer? Yeah. Hey, what about this one, a consumer? Any of you buy groceries? No. Uh, no? Okay, sorry. Does anyone in your family use money yes, to buy groceries? Yes, 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 Is it a little better? All right, so a consumer maybe? Okay. That's a really good list, Jake. Okay. All right, we're going to look at these a little bit more in detail here in a little bit. But there's a special person named Tim Hill that we're going to cue. And if you guys all will say Tim Hill, he's going to run and start a video and play for us. It's from the movie Overcomer. (laughs) It's from the movie Overcomer. Uh, I think it will help us with our discussion this evening. Sean, if I asked you who you are, What's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm a basketball coach. And if that's stripped away? Well, I'm also a history teacher. Okay. We take that away. Who are you? Well, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And God forbid that should ever change. But if it does, who are you? I don't understand this game. It's not a game, man. Who are you? Um, I'm a white American male. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Is there anything else? Well, I'm a Christian. And what's that mean? It means follower of Christ. And how important is that? It's very important. Interesting. All right, so far down your list. Okay, wait a minute. I could have easily said Christian first. Yeah, but you didn't. Look, John. Your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. Doesn't sound like the Lord asked first place. You're calling me a bad Christian? Let me be a little direct. Last time you were here, You said you'd pray for me. Did you? No. No. For someone who knows the Lord, you're acting like somebody who doesn't, which makes me wonder. What have you allowed to define you when you lost your team it didn't just disappoint you it devastated you something or someone will have first place in your heart but when you find your identity in the one who created you It'll change your whole perspective. All right, so let's just talk for a moment here. And this is a guilt-free zone, but, but let's just kind of process for a moment here. Uh, don't raise your hand, but look at your list. 
just internally, consider for a moment, did you include uh, either the word Christian? Don't raise your hand, this is just for you. But the word Christian, child of Christ, disciple, saved, any of those kind of words. Now, if you're sitting there like me, and, and on your first list you didn't put that, I did not put that on my first list, by the way, when we did this. You may go away going, oh no, I'm a bad Christian. That's not the point. Rather, what I think is so important for us to grasp as we start our conversation of who we are is to recognize often it is externals that determine who we are or we allow the externals to determine who we are instead of deciding from inside out this is who I'm going to be. So, for instance, these are all wonderful things. By the way, I, I just I am asking for... Uh, Credit and points for all the mothers-in-law, because there's a heart next to this. Some of you are mothers-in-law. That's a wonderful thing to be. Some of you are mothers or fathers or your brothers or sisters, and that's all great. But, but again, did you hear the question he asked? He said, well, what happens if that's taken from you? I'm looking at this list, and maybe I'm missing something here. But... I believe I'm safe to say that every one of these things except for this one can be taken from us, can't it? So you say, well, what happens if I lose my children? Yes, you are still a mother or a father, but your children are not here in the flesh anymore, right? And some of you know the pain of losing a child. Or you are a husband or a wife and your spouse passes away. You know the pain of that. But now if your identity is wrapped up in who you have married, I know a guy, he was all about his high school sweetheart. If he could just marry this girl, everything would be great, and things were great for about three weeks. Now I won't go any further than that. But my point is simply this. What happens when it is taken from you? You remember the old commercial, um, the Tootsie Pop commercials? You remember the Tootsie Pop? How many of you remember Tootsie Pops? Let's just see that first. Do you remember, okay, now I'm a child of the 80s, so this may hit some of you, may not for others, but I remember the commercial, and there was a little owl. You you know where this one's going, right? And the owl would ask the children what question? What was it? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, right? And what was it? Three, yes. Okay, we're friends. Because the owl would lick one, two, three, and do what? Okay, so he'd eat it, and the kid would look at it really upset and all, and this was my childhood. The question is, who are you at your core? When everything's taken away, who are you really? The reason this is so important is that unless you know, first and foremost, that you are a beloved child of God, that you are a Christian, that you are now a disciple of Jesus then this world will still have the ability to rob you of everything else that is valuable to you. And even if it does not, you will always be holding closer these other things than your identity as a Christian, as a child of God, as a disciple. So here's what I want to do. Go ahead. There's a couple blanks I want to give to you. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Knowing who you are, knowing who you are, who you really, 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 really are, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, but knowing who you are changes your perspective. 
Knowing who you are changes your perspective. I'll give you one example of how this plays itself out. If you're a parent, you understand this. Um, Growing up, my dad and my mom, they're two of my best friends today, and I love them. But growing up, my parents were not my friends. They were my parents. How many of you grew up in that generation? And some of you are going, no, they're always so sweet to me. God bless you. Anyway... My mom and daddy, they were not my best friends growing up. They were my parents. They were the authority figures. Now, because they were, we are now best friends. But here's what can happen. If your children, if you get your identity as a mom or as a dad primarily, then your greatest fear is if your kids do not like you, if they push away from you. And the chances are you'll be tempted to begin to do things that get them to like you more than drawing them to become holy like Jesus Christ. Because there are times where, as a parent, you will be required to do things that your kids don't want you to do. Can I get an amen from any parent in here? And so, knowing who you are changes your perspective. If you know that you are primarily a disciple and your job is to make disciples, then no matter what your children want from you, that momentary desire, you will choose what is best for them because you say, this is who I am and who you are called to be as well. Does that make sense? That's true with every other relationship. So here's what I'd invite you to put on here. Are you ready? I am a, and here's the word I would like for you to put on there, is the word disciple. A disciple, we use this word often, but let me define it. A disciple is someone who lives like Jesus, talks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, thinks like Jesus. It's someone who's saying, I'm actively trying to be like Jesus. Here's another word you might use. Don't put it on there, but something to put in your mind. It's another word would be apprentice. You are learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus. Does that make sense? So your primary identity and my primary identity is I am, you are, we are, disciple who, I love this, happens to be a mom, happens to be a dad, happens to be a brother, a sister, an employee, an employer, a minister. And here's the great thing. You need to understand, I am not a minister I am a disciple who happens to be a minister. I am not a husband. I am a disciple who happens to have a wife. Does this make sense, the difference? And so what this means is my greatest responsibility is to love my wife as Jesus loves the church, to wash her in the word according to Ephesians chapter 5. But if I think that my job is primarily as husband, not as disciple, then I will be tempted to wrongly put her in the place of God, and who really, who can bear up under the weight of that? It'll crush the person that you're trying to elevate, won't it? Because they can't do what God has called them to do as well. Okay, so knowing who you are changes your perspective. So I'm a disciple, and you might just want to put some of the hats right there. What are the different hats? We're going to come back to that, because this is going to give you a framework for what God is calling you into. Now, here's the next thing. I want you to find three or four people. We're going to have a little moment to share how we feel about things. No, we don't have a couch for you to lay down on, but we'll still share. Here's what I want you to share. Are you ready? I want you to share one word, one feelings word, if you consider that, okay, I'm a disciple who happens to be these other things. How does that reality, that perspective, make you feel? Does it, let me give you a couple examples. Does it? Make you feel excited, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, does, it, does it make you feel a little nervous, like, I don't know how to do that? Does it uh, make you happy? Does it make you sad? What, what emotion do you have? I want you to share that one word emotion 
or if you're long-winded, two-word emotion, and then I want you to tell those two or three people why you feel that way. I'm going to give you two minutes, so you're going to have to go fast, but find three or four people, circle up, lean around, and share the one-word emotion and why you feel that way. Ready? Go. Okay, you guys uh, sharing your feelings? Let's go ahead and uh, why don't we share a little broadly. And if you're nervous about sharing your own feelings, maybe someone else in your group wants to share your feelings for us. But uh, what are some of the feelings? <laughs> don't do that. That'll really ruin friendships later. What, uh, what's a feeling that you have when you consider what it means that you are primarily and first and foremost a disciple who happens to wear these other hats? What's, some of the, what's a feeling you have? Responsible. Thanks, Shane. What else? Oh, wow, yeah. I love that. Did you hear that, everyone? It's a relief because it means you don't have to be perfect in every other area. Your priorities kind of get organized, don't they? I love that. Don't have to be perfect. That's great. What else? What other words? Now, some of us, it may be these positive kind of things, but uh, 
challenged. Anyone else feel challenged by this one at all? Uh, tell me, it, someone share with me, why does this feel like a challenge? Yeah. And, and does anyone else sort of, it's like, well, if I just don't try, then I know I can't fail, right? <laughs> but if I try, then there's a chance of failure, right? So challenge, yeah, not not perfect, right? Incompetent. All right, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-N-T. Just write it small enough so they can't read it. That's exactly right. Hey, it's, I think that's why the doctors, when they do like prescriptions, they're just like, they're like, that one. It's like, um, I'll take some crack cocaine and some, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, that's not funny, forgive me. Okay, moving on. What, what's another word? Okay, what was the word you shared? This was mine as well, but what was the word you gave? Nervous. Anyone else Nervous. No? Uh, now, now, Dale's... Okay, Dale, you're Superman, just without the cape, dude. Why, tell me what your word was. Purposeful. All right. Well, I'm going to first put nervous. Is it I-O-U-S or just O-U-S? I-O-U-S. Okay. No. Well, someone said... Okay. I'm more nervous now. Okay, let's just do perfect, purposeful. All right. So do you guys sort of see there's a broad spectrum of the way that we feel, and yet we're all called to the same thing. So let me kind of encourage you on a couple things. We're going to move on here, but in a few minutes, we're going to do something that I hope will give you a little bit more confidence. But before we do that, I would like for you to just kind of make a mental note of the people that you talked to and their responses. And I'm asking you between now and next Wednesday, Maybe even tonight, if you're one of those who forgets, and that's okay, put an arm around them, say, hey, I, I'm proud of you for sharing, and I will pray for you. And then if you say that, though, don't be like the guy on this show, right? And, and if you need to, do what I've done before. I will pray for you, and as you're walking away, dear God, thank you for this opportunity. Please help the person in a way that they've asked to be helped. But you pray for that brother, that sister. You pray for those people. Because there are brothers and sisters in this room who, who yeah, they're relieved because, man... I don't have to be perfect in every way. And then there are others who say, but, but what if I fail? What if I'm not perfect? What if I'm the picture of Jesus that someone has and their picture is horrible? What then? And so we need to pray for one another. You understand, we're all on this team together. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh, yeah. So this is where we're going to kind of pause for this moment because our time is short. But the first thing is this. You need to know who you are. You are a disciple. Jesus Christ. And if you know that, it will help reorient everything else you're doing. All right, Jake, why don't we move on? So, yeah. Hey, on that note, let me just say this real quick. I appreciate you saying that. Any of you who have kids, and I'm being serious, this is not a joking moment, probably. Every one of you who have children, you want your children to mature and to do better, but you expect that they won't be perfect, correct? We have a perfect Father in heaven. 
who says, I want you to grow and I want you to be more like my boy Jesus. But it is a process. You may want to write this down. God is more concerned with your direction than your perfection. God is more concerned with your direction than your perfection. Are you leaning closer into Jesus, trying to follow him and saying, this is who I am, but I just don't know yet how to fully be that person? He says, hey, we can work with someone who doesn't know but wants to know. He's more concerned with your direction than your perfection. All right, point two, let's keep going here. So that kind of leads us into the battle you are in. And just as Josh was talking about, you know, we're on a team, and we're on a team uh, together. But, you know, knowing who we are, if you've, if you've played sports or maybe you've done something else, you kind of learn your role uh, at the beginning. You learn what position you're going to play, and you learn what comes with that. You learn what you don't do. Um, and that's kind of like being a Christian, right? Even with, with what Josh was just saying, like, we're a Christian, and when we have that identity, that re- actually releases a lot of nervousness, anxiety from us because we are his. So that's so we're on a team, and that's what that looks like. But there is an opposing team. It's a spiritual war that's been going on. And I think that's important to realize as well. Well, once again, we're child of God. We're disciples. We have a role but we have freedom in that role. We're built up by Jesus. We follow what he set out for us. But there is this opposing team. And I think that's important for us to remember kind of the gravity of the situation that we're in. We're called to make disciples that make disciples because we're part of a spiritual war. The war has been won. God sent his son. Jesus died on the cross, and he has set us free. But we're told that there is a prince of this world. We're told that there is a something like a roaring lion that's looking to devour. So it is a serious situation that we find ourselves in when we're talking about being a disciple and that we need to make disciples. So one of the reasons we talked about being on a team is there is an opposing team. He is trying to knock the ball out of our hands. He's trying to make it harder for us. But the war is already won. I want to make sure that's very clear. But in 1 Peter 5.8, just want to point out this verse, and maybe I'll read this to you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's looking for the person that's on Jesus' team. First John 4.4, 4, You, dear ch- children, are from God. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We need to recognize there is a spiritual battle. We don't just come to church and our brothers and sisters. We are looking for other brothers and sisters to rescue. Just as God's glorious plan was to reconcile everyone that's ever lived and will be and will come after us, our children. We are part of that plan in this spiritual battle. There are skirmishes that are happening. There are battles, but he has won the war. So as we think about that, who you are, and it changes your perspective, and we recognize we're a disciple, and we have a role in this with Jesus and with God, we think about this battle that we're in. I want us just for a moment... 
And maybe you can do this on the back of your paper. Actually, I would ask you to do that on the back of your paper. Who are some names that God has put in your orbit to disciple? Who are some names of people that God has put in your orbit to tell about Jesus? Just think for a few moments about some of those different names. Think about all the hats that you've already listed. Because those hats bring you into an orbit, whether it's the consumer, whether it's the mother, the father, the mother-in-law, those hats are what bring us into orbit with other people to tell them about Jesus. Some of you may be, well, hold on, I don't have those certain hats. Josh? Oh, yeah, I mean, for some in this room, you're looking around, you're going, well, I'm out of the workforce. I'm an empty nester. That orbit is getting smaller and smaller Uh, If that's you, here's all I would encourage you to consider. The many different hats you wear. We've already given you a few. Let me give you two specifically. Um, You are in one of your orbits right now. And just because there are other people sitting in this room with you, do not discount your, your influence on the lives of those who are sitting right here with you or those that you're going to be sitting with on Sunday or those in the adult discussion group on Sunday morning. Um, Another orbit, and we've mentioned this now twice, but let me give it to you one more time. You are a consumer in the sense that you have to go out to purchase the basics of life. If you've not been to Walmart in the past four years, I I don't know where you – well, okay, Target or Amazon. Some of you buy everything through Amazon. I'm not talking to you. The rest of us, though, uh, groceries or wherever else, those are people that God has put in your path. You say, yeah, but that's just the bagger at the – no, 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 no. That is a soul that is either bound for heaven or for hell. And God has put you in that person's orbit. So write down all the names, as Jacob said, as many as you can think of, of people. And if you don't know their names, put their category. So it may be bagger. Go ahead. Uh, What do you say? Minute? Sure. You got 60 seconds. Rock. And you can also create orbits, by the way, by volunteering or different things along those, those lines as well. Really just take some time and think about this. Who's God putting on your heart? Who have you seen? Who have you not seen in a while? Hey, quick uh, quick show of hands. How many of you pay taxes? How many of you require the um, help of someone to do your taxes? Anyone in here? We got a lot of smart people. Not many people raise their hands. Well, that would be another one, your accountant. You see what I'm saying? So when you think about the kinds of places, just get creative mentally, okay? All right, here's what I want you to do now. Go ahead and hold those, hold those names in your hand. You may have more you want to put down later, but I'd invite you to just sort of hold them and look at them for a moment, okay? Every name or every category that you've put on there represents an eternal being, someone who once did not exist but then The glorious Father, Scripture tells us, breathed life into them. And although they have a birth date, we believe that the soul is eternal, meaning that there is a birth date for every man and woman, but there is no true death date. We will go on for eternity, and every name on that sheet of paper represents someone who we want to see 
with the Father forever. Amen? Now, as some of you have already said, that can feel a little overwhelming. And I agree. We're going to talk, by the way, next week and a little bit tonight, we're going to get into some ways that we're going to help you be able to feel the relief of being a disciple. We're going to get there. But before we can get to the good news, like any great story, we have to recognize the challenge before us, the battle. In just a moment, I'm going to ask Evan to come up here, and he's going to walk us through some time of prayer. Now, you say, that's great. Let me tell you why, and specifically why Evan's going to do this. Many of you in this room are small group leaders, and you have the privilege, and I believe it's a privilege, you have the privilege of being able to be a Paul to someone else. You follow my example as I, as best as I can, follow the example of Jesus Christ. And because that is the role that so many of you play, you are disciple makers. You are a disciple making disciples. Evan's going to come up here and as our, uh, our discipleship minister, he's going to walk us through uh, a time of prayer and help us be able to recognize that although we are in a battle, you understand, as Jake said, the battle's been won. And our Father is good enough to then give us the Holy Helper, the Holy Spirit, to do what we cannot do on our own. Isn't that good news? And so, Evan, why don't you walk us through this time of prayer, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, if you would bow your head. Uh, just, just take a breath for a second. As we get going, just talk to God about how good He is how amazing he is and the things that he has done for you. While you're thanking him for those things, thank him for your identity. And as you thank him for that, talk to him about how it makes you feel and be honest. How does it change how you think, how you feel, and how you live? Now ask God to deepen your belief in your true identity. Now think about the people on your list. Pray for them by name and ask God to reveal their identity to them. And as you keep thinking about those names, Ask God to reveal ways to you that you can help reveal their identity to them. Father God, as we finish this prayer, we just pray for boldness. and We pray for a deeper sense to really believe and act on the fact that we are first disciples. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that identity. And thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. In John chapter 14, Jesus talks to his followers who, if they understood what was about to happen, it would have freaked them out far more than they already were. So as a preemptive salvo, he shares with them these important words to men and women who will need all the encouragement they can get as they do what he has called them and now calls us to do. Our Savior Jesus puts it this way. He says, very truly I tell you, John fourteen twelve, whoever believes in me, 
will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And then in verse 16 he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another counselor, another holy helper to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Oh, the world, it cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For Hear this now, church. For he lives in you. Paul the Apostle, he makes this promise. He says that the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave now lives in you as well. Believe Jesus when he says, I will give you what you need to do what I've called you to do. You do not do in your own. You simply do because of all he has done and is doing now through you. All right, so what do we do about all this? Let me give you a sneak sneak peek for next week. Are you ready? Next week, you want to come back. We've talked about our identity, but next week, we're going to get into the real, you know, elbows deep, practical, how to lead other ones as you are following Jesus' example. But let me give you sort of a, just a, a little bit of where we're going to go. Next week, we've talked about, as I follow the example, let's talk about following the example, and we're going to use a picture of a baseball diamond. Here's the first thing, and this is what we'll focus on primarily next week. It's four eyes. We have I, 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 I. The first I, when you want to invite someone to follow your example, is simply that word, it's invitation. Invitation. Invitation, and we're going to break all this down and give you practical ways to do every bit of this, but here's what invitation is. Invitation is inviting people into, keyword, the normalcy. The normalcy of life. It's not special, it's not something unique, it's inviting them into the normalcy of life. We're going to run through all four of these, give these to you, sneak peek, and next week we'll get into this. Number two, after inf- invitation, if you want someone to follow your example, the next word that we're going to give you is going to be information. Invitation leads to information, and information is reorient their thinking. Reorient their thinking. Then, after information, it's going to be imitation. Imitation. Imitation is modeling Jesus together. Modeling Jesus together. And we'll explain all this and give you practical ways to do these. And after you've invited someone into the normalcy of your life, reoriented their thinking, and model Jesus together, the final one is innovation. Innovation, which simply is to release people to make disciples in their own unique style. All right, we're not going to tell you how to do all that tonight. That's what we're going to get into starting next week. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you Sunday.